Romans 12 and 2, and it says this, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to share with you this morning after a word of prayer on this thought today. Why fit in when you were born to stand out? Why fit in when you were born to stand out? Collins said it the other day. He said, why stand out when you were born to fit in? You didn't get that, did you? But why fit in when you were born to stand out? Every person in this room was born to stand out. You were born to be different. You were born to be magnificent. You were born to be great. You were born to be awesome. You were born to be something special in the hands of God. Did you hear what I said? You were born to be something special in the hands of God. And I want to ask you before we pray, are you fitting in or are you standing out? Are you blending in with the crowd? Are you being that different person God designed you to be? Father, I ask you now that you would anoint me as a man from another world. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Cover me in the blood of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father God, that your anointing would flow, Lord, in a very special way in this room. God, as you sent me to this sacred desk with this word from you, I pray, Lord, that you'll let me preach it with authority and with power. But, God, that you'll, Lord, anoint the hearts and the ears and the mind and the soul to hear and receive what you have for us today. And I pray that when we leave this service this morning, God, we're not going to be fitting in, but we're going to be standing out. We're going to be shining for your glory. We're going to be that light that you've called us to be in the midst of a dark world. Now, Father, I ask you to take your liberty in this room, and I give you praise in advance now for everything that's going to be accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn around and shake somebody's hand and say, I'm going to stand out. How about you? I'm going to stand out. How about you? Why fit in when you were born to stand out? I want to let those words sink deep in your heart throughout this message this morning. We live in a society today that wants us to conform. Conform to what they want and what, how they want us to live, if you will. But I want you to know today that we are called by God to be different. We're not called to be strange. We're not called to be weird. We're not called to be a lot of the things that the world may look at us and maybe want to label us. But we're called to be different by God. We're called not to fit in, but rather to stand out. We're called to stand out, not to fit into the mold of the society that we live in. 
How many times are we pressed on every side to fit into the mold of society? So many times I, we're, we're pressed for our children to fit into society so that they do certain things and they're part of certain things just so they fit in. And we don't want to rattle anything or change anything or stand up in any way because we don't want our kids to be looked at as weird or different or out of the ordinary. And many times it's the same way in our own life. We don't want to be, stand out or be different because we don't want to be looked at as weird. But I want you to understand God did not call us to fit into the mold of society. God called us to be exceptional for His glory. Amen. And sometimes when we stand up and we stand out, it may feel like we're standing alone and it may feel like we're by ourselves. But I want to assure you this morning, you are never alone. Amen. Now the book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians in Rome who were predominantly Gentiles, if you will. He writes this because he realizes the condition of the people in that day. They were Jews and they were Gentiles alike and they were sinners and they all needed a Savior. It didn't matter if they were Jews, didn't matter if they were Gentiles. He realized that they were sinners and they needed salvation. They needed a Savior. They needed a deliverer. So he writes this word unto them. And I want to use a little different translation in Romans 12 and 2 again. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and what is acceptable and perfect. But notice what he said in that latter part, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Sometimes to find the will of God in our life, we have to walk through testing ground. Amen? Sometimes to find the will of God in our life, we have to walk through testing places in our life. But as we walk through those testing places and we find the will of God, we begin to understand what is good. We begin to understand what is acceptable. We begin to understand what is perfect, if you will. But notice, in this verse of Scripture, this is a tough verse in Scripture for those of us who follow Christ. It can be tough sometimes. Why? Because some think it's hard to distinguish us from the world. They think it's hard to distinguish the church from the society that we live in. And I want you to understand, it's hard for the Christian to separate from the world sometimes. Sometimes it can be tough. Sometimes it can be hard. And that's why the Apostle Paul here tells us that we're not to be conformed to this world. He says we're not to fashion ourselves according to the world. Even when we're brought up with that very idea. We live in a society today when we're brought up in the idea that you're to fit in, you're to conform, and you're to, you're to mix in with the society that is around you. But I want you to understand something this morning. That's not what God designed us for. That's not what God made us for. You see, in the past, in the Word of God, Christianity was new. And the old lifestyle was fresh on the minds of the people. But we live in a time now when Christianity is not new anymore. 
Christianity has become old hat to a lot of people. It's become an old fashioned to a lot of people. It becomes an old way of life to many people. And it's not something acceptable to many. It's not something acceptable to those even in the church sometimes because we don't want us to look, we don't want the world to look at us in a different way. But notice, today we have TV, we have movies, we have internet, we have email, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have Twitter. We have all these things that can keep us connected to this world. But yet at the same time, they can keep us in the world if we're not careful. Amen? To some people, Facebook is their Bible. Amen. I could have left that one out, couldn't I? To some people, Instagram is their Bible. Social media is their Bible. How do you know that, Pastor? Because they spend more time on Facebook than they do in the Word of God. Amen? Amen? Now, I'm not picking on Facebook. Please don't misunderstand. I tell you all the time, it's a wonderful tool. We use it here in the church, and it can be a great thing, but it does not need to control who we are. Amen? But these things can keep us connected to the world if we're not careful. But we, it's, all, it's okay to use them, but yet you've got to be able to be apart from them. It is one, it was once said, don't make the world your fashion plate. Think about this. This refers to a person who conforms to the latest fashion or the latest trend or the next big thing. Now, it's not, it's not wrong to fit in with, with the new fashions and the new things and the new things around us because, hey, these young folks today, man, they got it going on with the new fashions and new ideas. But one thing I love about our young people is they can wear the latest fashions and they can wear the latest things, but they still stand out for the glory of God and they stand up in the authority of the Lord. And I'm thankful for that and I want to tell you that this morning. But you have to understand something here this morning. The next big thing in our life should be, where is God taking me next? What is God going to do in me next? What Paul is teaching simply was this. We can't fit in with the rest of the world and expect that we will be able to discern the will of God. You can't fit in with the rest of society and expect to know or to get in in the will of God. We can't go out and do the things that the rest of the world does that goes against the will of God. You cannot do worldly things and expect to understand the will of God for your life. And I'm going to take that one a little bit further. You can't do worldly things and expect to walk in the power of God. You can't do worldly things and expect to have the anointing of God upon your life. You can't do worldly things and expect to have the authority and the unction of the Spirit of God working in you. Because the two do not mix. Amen. Instead, we are to be transformed by the renewal of our mind according to the Word of God. But can we take it one step further? Transform also means to change one's form too. When we're transformed, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, but we're also transformed in our form. What do you mean by that, Pastor? We're to change our form into the likeness of Christ. Not walking as ourselves, not walking as the world, not walking as others, but walking in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, that is a daily job. It is daily work. Amen. 
That's why it's said in the Word of God about crucifying your flesh daily. Why? Because the flesh gets up every morning that you get up. The flesh rises up every morning you rise up. And you have to make a decision that I'm going to crucify the flesh today and I'm going to walk in the Spirit of God. I'm going to walk in the power of God. I'm going to walk in the authority of God. I'm going to walk in the anointing of God. And I'm going to let God control who I am today. Amen. You have to make that decision every day. But it brings us back to the idea, why fit in when you were born to stand out? Now let me give you a prime example. When Jesus, the King of all kings, was born, He did not conform to the world's standards. He did not conform to society. The world, if he had conformed to the world's society, the world would have placed him as a king on a pedestal in a castle. They would have given him the best amenities that were available during that time. A king would have servants waiting on him hand and foot. Every desire would have been given. And if he had come before the world as a king, as they saw a king, that's where they would have placed him. But I want you to notice, instead, Jesus stood out. He was born in the very place that defines God's love and defines God's mercy to all people. A place that would define the very ministry of Jesus Christ. Listen. Instead of servants waiting on this king, King Jesus, the Bible said that King Jesus was a servant and he waited on others. King Jesus washed the feet of others. King Jesus touched the heart and souls of the afflicted. King Jesus reached out to the poor and to the needy. And the thing I want you to understand is this. His love and His grace was found among the Jews and the Gentiles, but also to the slave owner and the slave, to the rich and the poor, the love of Jesus Christ was extended unto all. No king would have been found touching lepers, much less speaking to them. No king would have been found forgiving those who had sinned against them, who had wronged them, or had transgressed against them. No king would have sacrificed himself for his people. No king except King Jesus. Listen to me this morning. This King of the Kings, this Savior, this Messiah, He didn't fit in with the world. He stood out. And I want you to understand, we're called not to fit into the world, but we're here to stand out for Jesus Christ. We're called not to conform to the ways of the world, but to stand out from them. To be different in the world that we live in. Jesus commands us to be different. And I want everybody in this house to get it. He commands. It's not just something He asks of us. He commands that we be different. He commands that we stand out from the rest of the world. And I want to ask you, are you different this morning? I want to ask you, do you stand out from the world this morning? I want you to listen closely, if you will, to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Listen to it. Listen close. Are you listening? Listen close. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will huddle in the four walls of your church. You will hide your Christianity from others. No one will ever know you are following me. You will be afraid to let the power of the Spirit work through you. You will never be a witness to those who are around you and you will blend into your society. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. 
Am I right? Am I right? Somebody hear me this morning. No, it's not right. But what I want you to get is this is the version of the Bible that many people are living by. And the tough part is this is the version of the Bible that many children of God are living by today. Let me back up and say that again. Not children of God, but so-called Christian people. This is the version of the Bible that so many of so-called Christian people are living by today. They don't have to stand out. They huddle together. They fit in. They blend in with the society of the world. But I want you to understand something. Jesus actually said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He said, you shall receive power and you will be witnesses. He didn't say nothing about fitting in. He didn't say nothing about blending in. He didn't say nothing about huddling up with those around you. If we had an outpouring of the Holy Spirit today like what happened to the disciples on Pentecost, can I share this with you? Many Christians in churches today would dismiss it. If we had an outpouring of the Holy Spirit today like the disciples had on the day of Pentecost, some people would run for the hills. Some would not believe it. Some wouldn't accept it. Some would call it being charismatic. And here's a tough one for you. Some would leave the church they're in because of it. Because an outbreak of the Spirit of God took place. The truth is we have the power of the Holy Spirit. Valley View Church, I want you to listen to me and I want you to hear me close right here. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We have the same Holy Spirit that came into the upper room when 120 believers came together believing the Lord. But can I tell you this? In order for us to stand out and in order for us to stand up and for us to be who God called us to be, we must have the Holy Spirit in this late hour in the church. Amen. Give the Lord a hand in here. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. The disciples stood out. They were different. Don't you get this? The disciples stood out. They were different. They dared to be different in that world in which they lived. And the Bible reveals to us their life. But here's what I want you to understand about the disciples. They were plain, ordinary men. There wasn't anything spectacular about them. They were not superheroes. They didn't have a big S written on their, on, the, on their chest, if you will. They didn't have all those different things. There wasn't anything exceptional about them. They were plain, ordinary men until one day Jesus came to them and said, Come on and follow me. And the moment Jesus spoke those words into their life and they followed Jesus, then they went from being ordinary to extraordinary. Then they went, oh God, I feel him in this room. Somebody listen to me this morning. When Jesus said, come, they went. And let me ask you in this room, has Jesus ever said that to you? Has Jesus ever said, come follow me? Has Jesus ever spoke that into your life? Has he ever said to you, come follow me? If he did, what did you do? Where are you at? What's going on? Because he doesn't call us to follow him and follow him when it feels good. Colin hit the nail on the head a few moments ago about the giving side, and I loved it. Uh, you see, he gave when it was convenient. 
Well, some people are the same way about serving God. They'll serve Him when it's convenient. They'll serve Him when it feels good. They'll serve Him when it's right. They'll serve Him when it feels okay with Him. But they ain't got time for Him at other times in their life. Other things become more important. Other things become more necessary. Other things take precedence over God. Let me stop and tell you something this morning. God never designed it that way in His Word. God should never be second best or second fiddle in our life. He should never take second place in our life. He should never be second in line to anything. And if He is, our priorities are wrong and we will suffer for it. I'm talking to somebody in this room. I'm preaching to somebody in this room. If God is second place in any area of your life, we will suffer for it. God must be first and foremost. That's God's place. In Matthew chapter 4, in uh, it shows us Peter and Andrew, excuse me. In Matthew chapter 4, Peter and Andrew, they're casting their nets into the sea. Later, Jesus sees James and John in the boat. They're mending their nets. Now get this. These men are fishermen. They've been fishermen all their life. All they know is fishing. Their fathers were fishermen. They're fishermen. They live at the Sea of Galilee. They're professional fishermen. That's all they know. But one day in Matthew 4, 19, Jesus said, and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They're washing nets of catching fish that they knew all their life. It was the only life they knew. But Jesus comes on the scene and said, drop everything. Lay down everything and follow me. Come after me. Now I'm going to ask you a point blank question in this room this morning. I'm going to ask me and everybody in this room. If Jesus in a physical body, in a physical sense, walked up to you this morning and said, drop everything in your life and come after me, what would you do? I heard what he said. The automatic answer, brother, you're right. The automatic answer would be drop it. But the reality is how many people in this room would really drop it? I'm not picking on us this morning. I just want us to think about it. I'm trying to jar your, your mind, jar your way of thinking. I'm trying to stir us this morning. I'm talking to me and I'm talking to everybody in this room. How many of us in this room would really drop it? How many would lay everything else down? How many would separate from everything else in your life and you would walk with him? The reality is that's what he's called us to do already. Ken Clark, that's where we're supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But I want to ask you, how many of us are really there? You see, here's the thing. They could have stayed fishermen. They could have fit into their culture. They could have run the family business. And no doubt made big money. No doubt could have had great things. No doubt could have had great possessions. But Jesus took them and made them stand out. What happened? Their lives became changed because of Jesus. 
Everything in their life changed because of Jesus. Everything turned around because of Jesus. Listen to me this morning. Because of Jesus, they did not fit in any longer. Because of Jesus, they became different. Because of Jesus, they stood out. And can I tell you, through the Holy Spirit in their life, the physical church began with over 3,000 people one day because these men followed Jesus. 3,000 people got saved and the church began because these men followed Jesus. I want to ask somebody this in this room, and I, uh, God help me this morning. I feel it with everything in me. I wonder what God would do in you if you gave everything to God. Man, you can hear a pin drop on this carpet right now. I wonder what God would do in you if you gave everything to God. Now let me take it one step further, David Keaton. I wonder what God would do in me if I gave everything to God. I like to say that I am, Max, but am I? I like to say that I am, but am I? That's a good question for every one of us in this room. I like to say I am, but am I? What would happen if... Because of these men, you remember? There was only 12. Only because of a few. 3,000 people got saved and the church began. They're not the only reason, but they were part of it. They stood up against the very people that crucified Jesus. Now let me take it one step further. Another example of someone who stood out for the, was the Apostle Paul. He was going to persecute Christians. He was going to persecute the church. You know the story. But he had a Jesus experience. He had a Damascus Road experience. And I just got to ask you, have you ever had a Jesus experience in your life? Have you ever had a Jesus experience in your life? I'm not just talking about a little feel good. I'm not talking about just a little blessing here and there. I'm saying, have you ever had a real Jesus experience in your life? Has it ever happened to you? Listen to me. Jesus confronts Paul. He's blinded. Paul believes in Jesus. He was taken to Damascus. You know the story. He's blinded because of the light that shone down. A man of God comes by by the name of Ananias, laid hands on Paul, tells him this. He said, you will regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says the scales fell from his eyes and he could see again. But in Acts chapter 9 verse 20, after being baptized and regaining his strength, it said immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue. When he was saying, Jane decided he was baptized and he begins to follow the Lord. He's filled with the Spirit of God. He begins to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. But here's what I want you to get. Immediately the Apostle Paul no longer fit in with the rest of society. He stood out and he became different. And here's what you got to get. Paul, did, he dared to be different toward his peers. He dared to be different toward the high priest of which he had normally served. He dared to be different to the Pharisees, the very people that feared him. He dared to be different to those he had persecuted. He dared to be different to those who had served in the past. 
But instead, he stood out. Why? Because the power and the authority and the unction of the Holy Ghost was resting upon his life, and it had changed who he was. I'm going to ask you another question. Where have you stood out in your life for Jesus? Where have you stood out in your life for Jesus? Let me take it a little closer. Where are you standing out in your life for Jesus today? I know this is tough, and I know it's point blank, and I know it's kind of hard, but I want you to listen to me this morning. Where are you standing out for Jesus in your life today? Jesus called us to stand out. He called us to be different. Jesus wants us to be different. He doesn't want us to fit in with the rest of the world. He wants us to stand out from the world. And here's what I want you to get. He dares us to be different. He dares us to be different. He commands us to be different. In Matthew 28, 19, he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what's he saying to us? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What's he telling us? Be different. Don't fit into the society. Go preach the word. Go, go do what I've called you to do. Go baptize. Go do what I've called you to do. Be separated. Be anointed. Take the authority. Take the initiative. Stand up for me. And I'm going to tell you, making disciples for Christ is not conforming to the world. You can't conform to the world and make disciples for Jesus. You can't conform to the world and bring the world in. You've got to stand out from the world. But I'm going to say something here, and I want everybody in this house to zero in for a moment. Many people today don't want to stand out because of the contra- controversy they're afraid will come. Many do not want to stand out because of the controversy that they're afraid is going to take place. They're afraid to stand out in their jobs, in their families. Why? Because they're fearful that they're going to lose their friends, they're going to lose their job, they're going to lose their spouse, or they're going to lose their children because they stand up. Mom and Daddy, I want to stop right here and tell you, if you don't stand up for God now while your children are in your home and you teach them the ways of the Lord and you get them in the house of God and you get them in the ways of God, you'll lose them. I'll give the Lord a hand in here. Too many are afraid they're going to lose their children because they stand up for God. They think their children's going to think they're weird. The reality is your children, they may not show it now. They may not say it now. They may not reveal it now. But there's coming a time in their life they're going to look back to you and say, Mama, I want to thank you for praying for me. I want to thank you for standing up for God for me. Daddy, I want to thank you for standing in the gap. God, I want to, Daddy, I want to thank you for being who you were. The other sad side of that would be this, if they woke up in hell right beside you one day and they looked over and said, Daddy, why didn't you tell me? I know I could have left that out. I know I could have left that alone. The other sad side of that would be if they stood up, woke up in hell one day beside you, Mama, and said, Mama, why didn't you tell me? Another message for another time. But people don't want to stand out because they're afraid of the controversy. They're afraid of how people's going to feel about them. They're afraid their spouse is going to look at them weird. Their children are going to look at them weird. The people on the job are going to think they're crazy. They're afraid they're going to lose their friends. Many Christians today don't want to stand out. They just want to blend in. But you've got to remember this, and I've got to hurry. 
Jesus stood out, the disciples stood out, and the apostle Paul stood out. Now here's where I want to bring it down. And I want everybody to listen to me. Musicians be coming. Worship team, come on to the stage. Just come grab the microphones, come straight on up to the stage. Here's where I want to end it, and I want every eye looking at me. I know they're moving around, but look at me, please. This is important. I want to leave it with you today like this. Too much time and energy in life gets spent trying to fit in, trying to seem to be normal. God sent me by to tell you there's nothing normal about us. God sent me by to tell you, young people, there's nothing normal about you. Oh, you're normal in the what you understand what I'm saying, but when it comes to the things of God, there's nothing normal about you. And I'm thankful that you're not normal. I'm thankful that you're different. I'm thankful that you stand up. Mom and Daddy, there's nothing normal about you. Middle-aged, senior adult, there's nothing normal about you. God meant for us to be different. Listen, why be normal when you can be exceptional? When something simply fits in, it's too easy to blend in, to go completely unnoticed when it fits in. But when something stands out, you cannot help but notice it. I don't know about you. I don't. And I mean what I'm pleased to tell you. I could care less if anybody ever recognized who I am, Amy Cotton. But you want to thrill my soul, let me walk into a room and let somebody say, Dear God, that man's been with Jesus. Let me walk in a room and somebody say, I see Jesus all over him. Oh, you make me want to shout then. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? You can fit in or you can stand out. But I want you to notice when you stand out, everybody notices you cannot help but, excuse me, when you stand out, you cannot help but have attention drawn to you. I'm not talking about standing out in your physical appearance. I'm talking about standing out in the Spirit of God. I want everybody in this house to listen to me right here. Listen to me close. I'm talking about standing out in your character. I'm talking about standing out by going the extra mile. I'm talking about standing out by being extra kind and compassionate to those that are around you. I'm talking about standing out by living a life of integrity. Anybody can live in any old kind of life, but not just anybody can live in integrity. You've got to make up your mind to do that. Not just anybody can live in character. You've got to make up your mind to do that. Do you understand what I'm telling you this morning? I'm talking about standing out for the Lord. In today's world, these qualities that I mentioned to you definitely make you stand out among people. Every day we have a choice in our life to stand out. Every day we have a choice to focus on being amazing, to go beyond average, to go beyond the typical. Every day we have a choice to be exceptional for the Lord. Why follow the crowd when you can be leading the crowd? I know I've shifted just a little bit, and I'm going to speak to the young people right now, speak to everybody in this room. Why follow the crowd when you can lead the crowd? Why follow behind when you were meant to lead? Why shoot for ordinary when you can be spectacular with the Lord? And I'm going to say something right here. Stand out for God and be proud of it. Stand out for God and be proud of it. 
Stand out for God and be proud of it. Be confident to stand up for what is right, even when you're the only one standing up. Be confident to stand up for what's right when you're the only one left standing. And I close it with this. Begin playing softly. Don't ever lower your standards to fit in with the crowd. Young people, come up on this stage with me. Hurry. Those of you who went to Winterfest, come up here. Hurry, hurry. Come up on the stage, spread out across the front of this room quickly. Hurry, 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 hurry. Angie, you and Ed, come with them. <clears throat> I know some of the musicians, the worship team, and all of them were part of it too, but I need you to stay right where you are. Don't ever lower your standards to fit in with the crowd. Listen to me, young people. Everybody in this room, listen to what I'm fixing to say to you. Let your example be what causes others around you to raise their standards to yours. Anybody can fit in with the world, but not just anybody can stand up for God. Anybody can fit in with society, but not just anybody can stand up for God. be very careful how I say this. Anybody can live the low life of sin. Not just anybody can stand up in the power and the authority of God. Now let me rephrase that. Anybody can that wants to. But you have to make up your mind to do it. Amen? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. It's time to be a leader. It's time to stop fitting in. It's time to start standing out. And it's time to start standing up. I said it's time to be a leader and it's time to stand up and stand out for the glory of God.